So if you please open your Bibles in Acts chapter 9, we're going to be looking from verse uh, 32 to verse 43. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you you have revealed yourself through scripture and you have clearly shown us that Jesus is the Savior and he doesn't only save us, he walk with us through our salvation and future glorification. So let the glory of Jesus be revealed to us through this passage so that we could be transformed by it and be more him. As I was preaching today in Acts 11, the disciples were called Christians in Antioch because they, they reflect you. And the only way we can do that is by being looking and meditating on your glory, Lord. So show us your glory, Holy Spirit, so that we can be Christians not only as a title, but our lives reflect the glory of Jesus. It's our prayer. Amen. There can be evidence of the presence of a person even if you don't see them. That happens a lot in families like we know that some of our kids have been in certain rooms because when we go to those rooms, the lights are on and nobody's in the room. They left the room. They left the, the lights on. I, I think they're not aware how much it costs to pay for, for that. So, so we know where our kids have been, even though we haven't seen them that they have been there. My wife knows that I've been in the bathroom if she sees underwear on the floor. She knows I've been there. My presence, I see some wives looking around like, I, I know my husband has done that also. And, and she's aware that I've been in the place even though she doesn't, she doesn't see me there. We know that some of our kids have been in the fridge because they just leave like a little bit of juice in the container, you know. There's, there's just one sip and they don't want to, to take the, the time to put it in the recycle. So they just leave a little bit, you know. Isn't that so great when you put the juice and there's only like a little bit? Or the cookies disappear, and somebody has got to the cookie jar, and you know that somebody was there, even though you haven't seen it. After Paul's conversion, Luke wants to make something clear. Even though we don't see Jesus, he's with his church. We, we are aware of his presence because we see his presence everywhere through his power, through his authority, through his deed, and through the care that the church gives to each other. So even though we don't see him with our eyes, we are certain that Jesus is with us. And Luke wants to make that certain through this passage. Even though that he ascended, he died, resurrected, and ascended, the same Jesus that walked earth and made miracles is doing it through the Holy Spirit, through his church, and he is with his church. After Paul's conversion, Luke wants to just give us a, a, a real look that that Jesus that walked among us, he's more closer to us. It's, it's like C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, when people say Aslan is on the move. They were aware that he was going to do something. We have to be aware Jesus is with us. Actually, right now is the, is the most 
clear moment that Jesus is with his people. So when we come through those doors, we don't only come to see our friends and to sing some songs. We come to meet Jesus because he is right out, right out with us. That should change the way we come every Sunday to church. That should like change the perspective. It's not like, okay, we're, we, we're going to check the box. We're going to do this. This is what we do every Sunday. No, we come to meet Jesus. He's here, he's with us, and we can see the evidence that he's with us. And this passage is going to show us that without doubt, he's with us through the pandemic, through the social issues that have been dealing with our countries, with our country in the last year and a half. The book of Acts, and I think this passage, give us a sense of reality and purpose and mission. That even though things can look shaky or Things are kind of maybe not as we wish in some areas. We don't fear. The mission moves forward because Jesus is with us. So if you fall asleep after, uh, after I read the passage or if you wander around or I don't blame you if you don't, if you don't understand my accent, I want you to live with something. Jesus ascended to heaven, but he's with us. He's with us. And every Sunday we come to church and we come with full of faith because we know we're going to meet him because he's with us. So we're going to read Acts 9, 32 to 43. This is the word of the Lord. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who live at Lida. There he found a man named Aenas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aenas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they, ten, they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the windows, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tonics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. As she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and wid widows, he presented her alive. And he became known through old Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of our God. We see these two outstanding miracles happening through the works of Peter. 
And we see something that is clear in these passages, because if you see there's like two sections of these passages and both ends saying that many believe, that many came to the Lord. So the point is saying that the, the end of the miracles are not the miracles itself. The end of the miracles is that the mission moved forward because the miracles show something. The Jesus that walked with them and did miracles is walking with them now. That same Jesus that healed the sick, that raised the dead, is now doing the same thing through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the apostles. So the end of the miracles is not the miracle itself, although the person that received the, the miracle received a benefit. It's good for them. But that's not the end. The end is to have the, the mission of the gospel moving forward. The, 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 the book of Acts is showing that this unstoppable gospel is moving forward. And the reason it's moving forward is Jesus is still with them. He's around. He's working. He's on the move. And that's to give us faith because we are now living in Acts 29. And that's not just an organization. We are in the book of Acts moving the gospel forward until he comes back. Acts 28 kind of finished, kind of open-ended. It's kind of like, whoa, what, you finish here? Paul is in, is in prison. What's going on? Because what, it, what Luke is telling us is the mission continues. It's going to keep going forward. It's going to happen because the same Jesus that walked through Palestine is walking with us. And he's doing the same deeds. And people are getting safe. And in some ways, well, Jesus is right, so in, not in some ways. Truly right, he told us that it was better for him to leave because what that allows is for his presence not to be just in one place, it could be everywhere his people are met and meeting through the work of the Spirit, so we become his temple. So, Jesus is still among us, and he's still Lord over sickness, over death, so we can conclude that he's still Lord and has authority over sin. And those are good news, brothers and sisters. Because if he has authority over sin, he can save us. He can give us eternal life. And he can show those deeds for the expansion of the gospel and for the care of his people. So his presence do miracles for the expansion of the gospel. And his presence is also there to care for his people. So we're going to see both parts. His miracles to extend the gospel in this powerful way, his his, his uh, transcendent uh, aspect of being God. But we're going to see also how Peter cared for people in an intimate way. The presence of Jesus, he still moved his, he, he still moved his message, his gospel, his church, his, his kingdom moving forward. At the same time, he's caring for us. So point number one, Jesus heals his people. Jesus heals his people. Verse 32 now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who live at Lida. There he found a man named, I should have, I should have checked how this was pronounced, but Aeneas, bedridden for 80 years who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose and all the residents of Lida and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. I, I, I'm very careful 
on how I use the word miracles. I think it's overused sometimes. I think a lot of times people use that a miracle happened to them. And I think we have to be careful when we use that word because a miracle is an act of providence that cannot be explained by natural causes. It's something that is supernatural. I think there's a difference when you see people that are sustained by the providence of God using science and common grace. And that's still God sustaining that person. But a miracle is something that happens without the explanation of science. There wasn't any chemotherapy. There wasn't any uh, intervention of science. There's, there's the intervention of God sustaining them, the providence of God. But a miracle is something that happens that we don't have an explanation. That, that happened, that, that there's no any natural explanation for it to happen. I, I, I want you to maybe understand those things. And maybe some of you can differ from that. But the point here is something happened that didn't have an explanation. And what happened was that Jesus healed this person that was bedridden for many years. And if you see this, this should take your mind to passages in the Gospels. The point that Luke is saying is the same Jesus that did to people stand up, get your bed, and, and, and walk is the same Jesus that is doing this. It's not Peter, because Peter is doing it in the name of Jesus. So the end here, the end point is that God Uses, uses different means to advance the gospel. And he's using this miracle so the people in Lida and in, uh, and in Sharon can see that he's still around with his people. And people came to be saved through those miracles. Because why? Because they can see that Jesus is still with them. Jesus is still around. And I think we need to in some ways understand a little bit of the theology of sickness. And I'm not going to go very deep on this. Uh, but we need to understand that the Bible tells us that many, many sickness doesn't have an explanation. There's, there's passages like John 9 that the, the, the person asks, why is he, is he sick? And this is father, his mother. He say, no, this happened. So the works of God might be displaying him. There's Luke 13 where like different people suffering different tragedies. And at the end, Jesus is saying, if you don't repent, these things will happen to you. But then if we go to James 5 or 1 Corinthians 11, both passages seem to see, to, to, to teach that there's some sickness that are related to our sin. So which one it is? Is there something that we don't know or there's something that sometimes we may know? And that's, I think, the James 5 passage. He says, when you are sick, you call the elder. There's like a... Like a like a procedure that happened. You call the elders, they come, they will put their hands, and if the person has sinned, they will confess their sins. So I think there's an aspect that elders come and help discern if there's something that has to do with a person's sin. So sometimes, right now, we sometimes don't see that some of our sickness are related with anxiety. And we don't make that connection. And that's an easy one that, that sometimes happens. Why, why are you having stomach issues? Maybe because you're anxious. Or why, like, somebody's uh, having some debilitating issues? Maybe anxiety can be an explanation. So there's an aspect of repentance. But there's some other aspects that it's just because we live in a fallen world and we cannot explain what somebody 
got a sickness, got something that, that got diagnosed, and we cannot just say it's because you sin. Are you guys following me? But no matter where we are, even if we don't know why are we sick or no, at the end, we know something. That can be used for the expansion of the gospel. That can be used so that Jesus could be glorified. I can, and it can be in two ways. It can be that he will be pleased to miraculously heal you and show his glory. Or it can be in another way which will be providentially sustain you and show his glory. At the end, the passage is not that Jesus can heal me. The passage is Jesus can use my sickness to extend the gospel. So our, our disposition should be we pray that if we can get healed, praise be to God, and we will benefit. But at the end, the, the important aspect, what needs to happen, is that the gospel move forward and people believe. I know it would be easier if we're sick, and if you're sick among us, that God will instantly heal us. But sometimes God desires to show his glory in different ways. And I, I really think in the world that we live, where there's so much advancement in medicine and there's so much common grace in that area, that the glory of God is more displayed when faithful believers show the glory of Christ through suffering well in time of sickness. And I think many people can believe through our suffering, when we suffer in a way that glorifies God, more than maybe if we just get healed because people are kind of used that medicine is going to do it, doctor something, or, you know, uh, I'm not going to enter into a vaccine or whatever, but we, we put a lot of our hope in, in science. So, brothers and sisters, at the end we can conclude that Jesus has authority over sickness because he healed the sick. We can expect him to heal people. We can expect him to sustain people through difficult times. We, we experienced uh, a miraculous healing that Kathy couldn't conceive and there wasn't an explanation. And uh, back then, Bob Donahue prayed for Kathy and we have two, those two beautiful, stunningly handsome that dad likes to anoint and, and, and make, make, make them feel uncomfortable. Children, that, or not children, because now they're teen and preteens. I'm going to hear about this later on. But that was, a, that was a miraculous intervention. We couldn't have kids, and then we could have kids. And there wasn't like an explanation. Kathy's condition didn't change. So, Jesus has authority over sin, over, over sickness. But that points us to something super important that the passage wants to show. If he has authority over sin, why do we, over, over sickness, why do we have sickness? Sickness is a consequence of sin. So that means that he has authority over sin, and that means that he can save. So the important part of the passage is not he can, he can heal me, as he healed that person. No, he has authority over sin, and he can heal me of my sickness of sin. And in the same way that he gave eternal life to the people of 
of uh, Lida and, Sh and Sharon, he can give still eternal life to the people of Claxburg, of Gatesburg, or Germantown, and all these surrounding areas. We have faith that people can be saved through us because Jesus is still among us. I don't know about you, but that's super exciting for me. Jesus is here. He's here with us. He's, he's, he's still working with us. Look around. All these people are here because Jesus saved them. That is powerful. That every Sunday we, we come in, oh, we are the same people there. No, whoa! People save. Jesus saved people. And we are here together because he is still around us. So the, the, the aspect that we even show up every Sunday is an affirmation that he's still around because he showed that he saved people. And he's still with us. So if he can still remove the effects of sin, he can remove sin. And that should give us hope because he's still around us. So Jesus is still among us. He's still Lord over sickness, death. We can conclude that he's, he also has authority over sin. And that shows that he cares for his people. Point number two, Jesus gives life to his people. Jesus gives life to his people. Verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha. Is that how you pronounce it? Tabitha, Tabitha. Okay. Which translated means Dorcas. I say it wrong in Spanish when I preach this sermon, so it's okay. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they was, had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciple hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please, come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And he became known through all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one sign more, a tanner. I don't know if you see it, but this is kind of like a similar structure to the passage of Mark 5, where Jesus is showing authority over, over uh, sickness and over death. And it's the, the passage that they raised the, 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 the girl, and he called it Tabitha also. It's, it's a similar name. So the Luke, why Luke put this narrative there? Why he put this exact one? Because he wants to show that the same Jesus in Mark 5, that he healed the sick, that he raised the dead, is the same Jesus that is doing the same thing. If you see, even the, the, the way that, that uh, uh, Peter acted, he, he asked everybody to get out of the room, the same way Jesus did. So basically, Luke is telling us through this, this is not Peter, Jesus is with them. He's still moving around. He's active. He's with his people. He's doing the same deed that he was doing in the gospel through the books of Acts. The book of Acts is saying is his work is continuing until he comes back to establish his kingdom. So we can have full assurance and faith that he's going to still be with us. He's going to work. He's going to move. He's going to save. He's going to 
allow his kingdom to progress. Shows that Jesus is control of the supernatural. He's the Messiah. He has authority. His death didn't change that. Because he defeated death and he resurrected. And he's still among them. So he has authority over death. So we can conclude that he has authority over sin. Because what is the wages of sin? Death. So if he has authority over, over death, he has authority over sin. And he's the one that can save us. He's the only one that can save because he's still among us. Brothers and sisters, in a global pandemic where many has succumbed to fear, I think we should be people that are, are prudent in the middle, midst of all this, but we should never fear because Jesus has authority over death. He has authority over death. He has authority over our enemy. And we can, we can trust that he, he can protect us and he's in control because he has authority over our enemy death. And death at the end cannot touch us. And you see, I think it was great for Tabitha Dorcas to be resurrected. I, I, you know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Although I heard somebody that, that she had, one of those persons that had like a almost death, death experience and kind of like, and, and, and she, to, she told us that she was kind of a, let me use a, none of, she wasn't pleased that she got kind of like resuscitated because she was kind of like ready to go. So she wasn't that happy that she got, so that was somebody in our church. She's like, I was like kind of ready and got resuscitated, but that's another story. But Good for Dorcas that she got, you know, and for the sisters around, they even have her, her clothes, it's, you know, everybody. Good for all them. But you know for, for whom was better? And it became known through all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. It was better for them because they were death in their transgressions and sin. It was good for Dorcas to be res, res, uh, resurrected, but... That was not the end. She was already one that was with Christ. But that was used for the gospel to be able to move forward so they could affirm and know that Jesus was with them. Brothers and sisters, the same Jesus that raised Dorcas is right, right now with us. If you don't say amen, come to Jesus. Because I don't see how can, no we, can, can we not be excited to think that he's with us right now here. He's with us here. We, we, can, we can take that to the bank. We can be sure about that. He is here with us. So Jesus, he cared for his people, healing them. He cared through his people, resurrected them, and assuring us that we will be resurrected at the end time. But Jesus, point number three, also cared for his people by his nearness. I want you to, to pay attention to a couple of verses here. Verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived with Lydia. Verse 43. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Also, we can see that when Dorcas died, 
they knew he was close by and they called him and he came and was with them. I think the, the passage wants to, to, to show us something, not only the miracle that showed the care of Jesus by his uh, triumph over sin and over death and our salvation, but also his care through the nearness of the body of Christ. Through the care of, of Peter going to these places and be the one through the, the miracles were happening. So we can just be astonished, ast astonished by the miracles and say, wow, look at that. Somebody got healed. Somebody got raised from the dead. But we should be also amazed to see the care of God through the nearness through the body of Christ. So every Sunday when we come in and we see, I was just enjoying seeing you all talking and spending time together before we, we start the service. During the pandemic, one of the reasons we were outside, doing our service outside, was because at the end of the service, people were staying two and three hours talking. And when we were inside, people spent 15 minutes and left. For some reason, during those months, they will stay outside. It could be 40 degrees, 30 degrees, and people will be outside talking and caring for each other and having fellowship. If we were inside, 15 minutes, it was empty. It was good for me. I could go home and do other things, but <laughs> it, was, it was actually good for me because it's good for me to be with the church. So the passage is showing that the transcendent God that can heal the sick the one that controls the universe, the one that can raise people from the dead, he showed himself also as the imminent God that is close to us and cared through, for us through the people of the church. Through the meals that you share with each other, through the words of encouragement, through visiting people through times of trials. Brothers and sisters, Maybe God will never use us to heal the sick. Or maybe he will never use us to allow us to raise somebody from the dead. But he has called all of us to show that Jesus is still with us by caring for each other. By showing our nearness. By, by being the one together walking life through difficult times and to showing the gospel to our relationships. If we see the, 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 the reality that Jesus is still with us, manifests himself through the body of Christ, and the body of Christ doing the work of ministry, Ephesians 4. And he gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So we, each one of us, we show the reality that Jesus is with us through the building of the body of Christ. In Acts, in Acts 6, we see that they put people to be deacons, to do certain works that show the care of Jesus to those in need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we see that God comforts people so we can comfort them with the comfort that only God can give. So, so we are the ones that show through those different ways, the reality that Jesus is still among us. And my favorite one, 1 John 3, 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, 
our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That is an outstanding message that John is saying. He's saying that he called them to be with Christ in, in the book of Christ, to be able to have fellowship, but truly our fellowship is with God. So that means that when we have fellowship with each other, in some ways we're having fellowship with God. So Jesus is still among us. He's working powerfully. He's doing deeds. He's healing people. He's saving people. But brothers and sisters, let's not forget that He's among us as we care for each other, as we show Jesus in us, as we live together, as we encourage, as we give uh, those in need, as we kind of carry each other until He comes. So if you take something right now, is that Jesus is with us. He's among us. He's working. He's saving. His, his work of the gospel has done something miraculous. He has united us with him. And he's here. We are his temple. We, 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 don't, we cannot have a hint of doubt in that, that he's right now here in a special way. But the same way that we pray that God show his power through healings, let us pray that he will use us to show his care and presence to others. That we can be those that others can say, truly Jesus is among us. Because if a human that he will be selfish if it wasn't for Jesus. He's giving himself to care for me. Peter was like moving everywhere. He was here and there. He was saying, Peter was here and there. Then they called him. He went to the other place. He stayed in, in this. He was just there to serve. Let us show through the way we care for each other the reality that the one that heals, the one that raised the dead, the one that has authority over sickness, over darkness, the one that in the cross bought our salvation, He's among us, but let us show also as we care for each other. Certain that as we do that, we're having fellowship with him and with each other. Brothers and sisters, he's among us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your kindness, your goodness. What a blessing that you are among us. What a what, How unbelievable is to think that the one for which everything was created, the one that sustained everything that we see, the one that his, 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 his voice gave us life, is among us. That we will be aware of the nearness of God that we will be aware that He is with us and that that will give us faith to continue to move the mission of the gospel as we care for each other and as we see His presence through His wonderful deeds of miracles, but also through the care of His church. For your glory, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.